Welcome back to Beyond Talk Therapy, the show that discusses various mental health topics and also discusses why talk therapy is outdated. I'm Justin Coates, a mental health professional, and today we are going to be talking about just that, why talk therapy is outdated and why it might not work for you. Before we get started though, I'd like you to check me out on Facebook at Justin Coates, that's C-O-A-T-E-S, Justin Coates, dash certified trauma professional, or Instagram at Justin underscore Coates underscore C-T-P. Go ahead and give me a like. I'd really appreciate that. So let's jump into it. Why is talk therapy outdated? First, we need to understand where talk therapy came from. Talk therapy has existed for as long as psychology has been around. When you think of talk therapy or therapy in general, I'm sure an image comes to your head. The image that comes to my head is walking into an office, sitting down or laying down on a couch, and the therapist or psychologist sitting in his or her chair. Back in the day, they would have a cigarette. (laughs) Today, that's not legal. But even still, the image of one person sitting on a couch while the other person who's supposed to be giving us all the answers sits in the other. So for those of you who have been to therapy and it has worked for you, this episode is not to say that you were an exception. Instead, I'm going to explain in this episode why that worked for you, but for the majority of people, especially children with trauma or adults with trauma, Talk therapy does not work. So let's just dive into a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about the polyvagal theory. This is a theory that I have had some training in. It is what you would call my theoretical orientation. But the polyvagal theory was created by somebody called Dr. Stephen Porges. He's very well known in the uh, psychological community. But he first introduced this in 1994, and it's really starting to take off. So I won't bore you with a whole biology, anatomy, psychology lesson, but I do want to give you some background information on this. So I want you to think of your nervous system in terms of a ladder. So polyvagal talks about the nervous system, and polyvagal, if you think about the, the vagus nerve, right? If you're familiar with the vagus nerve. And poly means more than one. So we're talking about the vagus, the parasympathetic, the automatic nervous system, and all the neural circuits that are involved. And there's three parts to the nervous system. There is the sympathetic, the ventral vagal, and the dorsal vagal. So I want you to think of these three parts of the nervous system in terms of a ladder. At the top of the ladder, you have your ventral vagal. When you're in your ventral vagal part of your nervous system, you're able to socially engage. You're able to have conversations with others. You're able to make logical decisions, plan out logically. The world is happy. You feel in a good, safe place when you're in the ventral vagal or top of the ladder. When you're in the middle of the ladder, 
or your sympathetic part of your nervous system. This is also known as fight-flight-freeze. I'm sure some of us, or the majority of us, are familiar with that fight-flight-freeze. That is the middle part of the ladder, which is where the majority of people who have trauma seem to live, right, or function from. The middle of the ladder looks like ADHD symptoms, right? This is why ADHD is over-diagnosed, and we'll talk about that in a different episode. But the middle of the ladder can look like ADHD symptoms, unable to pay attention, restless, fidgety. We get a lot of negative behaviors from children when they are in the middle of the ladder, that fight, flight, freeze. This is where the acting out, the running away, those kinds of behaviors come from. The middle of the ladder is, I'm scared. The world is a scary place, and I'm either going to fight this, I'm going to run, or I'm just going to freeze. That is the sympathetic middle of the ladder. The bottom of the ladder, which is the dorsal vagal, is essentially shut down. So if you've ever been in an argument with your partner or a parent or your kid, and they cross their arms and their head shrinks down, their chin goes into their chest, and they're not responding, that is shut down. That is, this is overwhelming, the world is starting to become numb, I can't do this. People who decide that suicide is what they are going to do make this decision when they are functioning from the dorsal vagal part of their nervous system. People who act on that and commit suicide do it from the middle. Okay, They're in that fight, flight, freeze part of their nervous system. But the dorsal vagal, bottom of the ladder, is a shutdown, the world is numb, closed off. So that is a brief overview. It gets much deeper than that. But for the purpose of this episode, I just wanted to give you a little bit of background information on the polyvagal theory. So now, knowing what I just explained, let's talk about why talk therapy doesn't work. Specifically for those who have trauma histories and for children in particular. Talk therapy requires us to be able to access the front part of our brain, which is our executive functioning. When children specifically have trauma histories, they are not able to get out of the lower regions of their brain. They are not able to access the executive functioning. So trying to engage them in a conversation is not going to work. For example, if you have children or you have nieces or nephews and you've ever picked them up from school and you've asked them, how was your day? What did you do today? And their response is something like, fine, it was good, it was okay. And you have to probe them for more and you say, well, what did you do today? Nothing. You get those short answers. That is essentially what is happening in talk therapy. So when I get people, when I have talked with clients that have said, I've, I've been in therapy for years and I don't seem like I'm making any progress. 
or I've had my child in therapy for years and it doesn't seem like it's helping. Well, this is why. If you're trying to force a child to access the front part of their brain, the executive functioning, and they are physically unable to do so because of their nervous system, talk therapy is not going to be beneficial. So what else can you do? Besides talk therapy, what can you do? Don't you have to talk to be in therapy? Yes. Yes, you have to talk in order to be in therapy. But you don't have to talk about the trauma. You don't have to talk about things that require you to access the front part of your brain. Instead, what I think therapy should be about is regulating the nervous system. Once we regulate the nervous system and we can create a safe environment and the body and the nervous system feel safe, then we can start to access that executive functioning and talk about the deeper things. So how do we do that? How do we regulate the nervous system? This requires things like meditation and deep breathing. I've done some biofeedback with clients where you hook up a little node to their ear and it reads their heart rate, their heartbeat, and their, their heart rate variability. So their beats per minute and then the variability between heartbeats. And they're able to see that on the screen. The goal is to lower the beats per minute and raise the variability between heartbeats. That's one way. Another way is occupational therapy. In occupational therapy, they can use items like sensory items, throwing a ball, toss a ball back and forth, and back and forth. I one time had a client that I tried to have them throw a beach ball, and I said, toss the beach ball back and forth. And when they did it, it was quick and rigid and intense. Back, boom, boom, boom. And I told them, I said, now let me throw the ball with you. And so with the young girl, I threw this beach ball back and forth. And when she would throw it to me, I would catch it and I would hold it for a second or so. And then I would throw it back. When I was done tossing with her, I asked her, I said, what did you notice about this? And she said, well, I noticed that you kept holding onto the ball and you wouldn't throw it. And it was annoying me. I said, ah, that's a good observation. For somebody who lives in the middle of the ladder, whose life has been chaos, who has had to function out of the go, 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 go part of their nervous system, the middle part of the ladder. Slowing things down is uncomfortable. Sitting in silence is uncomfortable. So when you ask a child who has had a trauma history to be quiet and they're unable to do so, that is why. Because they're not used to that. And quietness and calmness is scary to their brains because their brain is not used to that. Like this girl, she wanted that ball to go back and forth and back and forth. Intense, quick, just go, just go. That's what her brain was used to. So calming and regulating that nervous system. And you can do it by simply tossing a ball back and forth. Deep breathing, meditating. I have a lot of people that tell me, 
Justin, I can't meditate. I can't listen to guided meditation. I get too distracted. Yeah, that's the point. And that's how you know it's working. You're already aware that you're getting distracted. But like anything, you have to practice. I'm sure you couldn't ride a bike without training wheels the first time you tried. It took practice and practice and practice and eventually you got it. It's the same thing with regulating your nervous system. When your nervous system has been used to the chaos, yes, meditating is going to be difficult. But you can't give up. You got to keep practicing. So, bringing this all back to talk therapy. If I bring you in, let's say you have trauma history. And I say, let's talk about all the trauma that's happened to you. Where do you think you're going to go on that ladder? your nervous system is probably going to shoot down to the middle, maybe even the bottom. Because talking about the past and talking about the trauma makes me anxious, and I don't want to do that. And remember what I said, it also requires me to go to the front part of my brain. But that's not where I'm going when I have to bring up these memories, when I have to think about the trauma. So when you look at things like solution-focused therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy, and you're focusing on the trauma and what you should do and how you can cope with it and all these things. Clients are not hearing you. It's what we like to call the Charlie Brown syndrome. You know, when the teacher is talking to Charlie Brown and all Charlie hears is... That is what our clients are hearing when they are not at the top of the ladder. They're not hearing you. So you just keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And that's why my clients that come in and say, we've been in therapy for three years and it's not working. That's why. Because they haven't even been hearing you. Because their nervous system is not regulated. Their nervous system is not allowing them to hear you. It's not that they're choosing not to or that they don't want to hear you. They're just physically unable to. So if you've ever been worried about therapy you've been considering considering going to therapy but you're worried about it because you're afraid and you don't want to talk to somebody i would encourage you to look for therapists who have experience with internal family systems the polyvagal theory they have done trainings with people like deb dana and dr stephen porges that is where i think specifically those with trauma histories, need to start. That's where we need to start with them. Regulating the nervous system, making them feel safe. Because trying to talk about the trauma to death, it's just not going to work. Let me give you one more example. When a war veteran comes back from overseas and they enter therapy, we don't tell them, hey, thanks for coming to therapy. Now, as we begin, let me show you this picture of all your dead comrades, all your fellow soldiers you lost overseas. Let me show you pictures of them and remind you and remind you and remind you. We don't do that. But why then do we force people and our clients to talk about their trauma to death? It's the same idea, the same concept. When you talk about the trauma over and over and over, it would be the same as showing that soldier, his fellow soldiers he lost overseas. 
reminding him of the trauma, continuing to expose him to what has happened in the past, instead of helping him to him or her to regulate their nervous system. I hope that makes sense. I hope that analogy makes sense. That analogy was told to me once, and when I heard it, it was like a light bulb went off in my head. It was clear to me why things like trauma-focused CBT, they don't work. In the grand scheme of things, they don't work. People will argue, Justin, what do you know? Are you trained in TFCBT? No, I'm not. So then how do you know it doesn't work? Trauma-focused CBT is evidence-based. Let me tell you something about evidence-based. Evidence-based theories are not the end-all, be-all. There is a lot wrong with evidence-based theories, and we will talk about that in another episode. But just because something is evidence-based does not mean that it works for everybody, because it doesn't. My pitch to you is, if you've been thinking about therapy, and you're worried about therapy, and you're worried about talking about your past, find a therapist or a psychologist who has training with polyvagal or internal family systems. And let that therapist know, I don't want to talk about my trauma. I'm not ready to talk about my trauma. I want to regulate my nervous system. I want to talk to you and practice with you on regulating my nervous system. Trauma integration happens at the very, very end. If you think of it in terms of a pyramid, trauma integration is at the very top. It is the very last thing that we should be doing in therapy. And sometimes that may take years, but we have to regulate the nervous system first. I know I'm going to get some pushback on this, and I know people are going to say that I'm wrong and that trauma-focused CBT is evidence-based, cognitive behavior therapy is evidence-based, solution focus is evidence-based. I'm not knocking on any of those, and I'm not saying they aren't valid approaches. I'm just simply saying that there is a whole other theory out there that they don't teach you in graduate school called polyvagal theory. And Dr. Stephen Porges is very well known. And I'm just saying that this theory says you cannot use talk therapy to start, specifically with those with trauma histories. So I'm willing to discuss, I'm willing to debate, but don't come at me and say that I'm knocking or putting down any one particular theory because that's not what I'm doing. I'm just simply making the argument that there are more effective ways to address trauma and that talk therapy is not for everybody. And I want to thank you all for listening to Beyond Talk Therapy. Before we go, I'll ask you to show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving me your leaving me a review on Spotify. I am working on being uh, on Apple Podcasts, so hopefully that comes pretty soon. But until then, leave me a review on Spotify. I will also drop the link to this on Facebook and Instagram. So go ahead, like, share, and comment. And if there's something you'd like to talk about or you'd like me to discuss on my next podcast, let me know. I'd be more than happy to do it. Stay tuned for next week. Next Monday, I'll be posting a new podcast with another awesome and engaging episode. And stay tuned for a special guest coming up soon. 
This has been Beyond Talk Therapy with Justin Coates. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.